नमस्ते फॉर क्वाइट सम टाइम देर हैज बीन अ डिमांड फॉर रीडिंग समथिंग विच हैड अपियर्ड इन दंदे मातरम प्री पांडिचेरी डेज आई डोंट वॉन्ट टू यूज द वर्ड प्री योगिक डेज बिकॉज ही वॉज ए योगी प्रॉब्ली ए योगी ऑफ योगीज ऑलरेडी सो बिफोर कमिंग टू पांडिचेरी वी नो दैट शुरबिंदो वॉज एडिटिंग थ्री मैगजीन्स टेकिंग आउट थ्री मैगजीन्स कर्मयोगी बंदे मातरम एंड धर्मा Dharma writings are the Bengali writings. So um, there was a demand to read this uh, piece, Burjua and the Samurai. It's one of my favorites also. But uh, one is it's a long writing, almost um, I think it runs into more than ten, fifteen pages, probably twenty <laughs> pages, eighteen pages. And so we have to take out some portions. and um, second probably the right time uh, as we approach india's um, sherbindo's 149th birth anniversary and india's 74th birth anniversary so we start a new period 150th and 75th so perhaps the right time to read this because the context of the writing is when sherbindo came one of the things that sherbindo did very characteristically one can see in his nationalist period is that he awakened the indian people to their own strength he didn't uh, just straight away said uh, do this but he said this should be your inner state and all through we see even in his yogic um, literature people are looking for teachers a way of meditation but he doesn't do that he said this should be your state in which you enter into meditation it should become natural which is what true mysticism is about it's not about reproducing things outwardly but getting into that inner state and there are ways and means we get into that inner state and then the rest follows so he awakened the indian people to their own uh, possibilities because if we look um, a few hundred years down the line there was a constant feeling first created by number of defeats which were largely because of the division not because of a lack of valor and subsequent to that with the coming of the british they adopted a very unique um, method and it was to make uh, the indian people feel that you are low you are uh, ordinary your um, education is worth nothing now when you keep on telling a group of people that you are nothing you are nothing or any individual you are nobody then after some time a lie which is repeated too often unless you are a man of real truth it tends to sink in and you begin to believe even in psychology this is how many people um, end up doing what is called as a self fulfilling prophecy so you tell um, a child that you are uh, useless you are useless and one day the child grows into some you know just being mediocre nobody is useless in this world and then the parent turns back and says that see i told you so and the child would turn back and say yes because you told me so therefore i became what you told me so that's why in yoga you see the method is keep reminding yourself that i am that aham brahmasmi tattvamasi because this is the state in which we must live constantly in all periods of doubt despair depression we have to keep reminding them ourselves that we are portions of god and therefore whatever be our outer circumstances still we carry within us ourselves that spark which can build and destroy million universes with every breath 
So what Shurabindu was engaging in during the nationalist period is what can be called, in fact he has used the word, national yoga. So Shurabindu we see individual yoga, national yoga. And then of course the world yoga, collective yoga which he starts in Pondicherry with the ashram. Ashram by its very nature, though there were individuals, but each was a representative. So it was like a collective yoga. Later on this collective yoga takes many different forms. So it was a national yoga and Shurabindu describes that like any yoga, the national yoga has three stages. The first stage like any yoga is initiation. So what is initiation? Initiation is when you tell an individual who you are. Actually that's what initiation is about. It connects you to the origin. Like in case of Sri Krishna, who you are. That's enough. Otherwise we live with false identities which are given to us by... Thankfully parents or <laughs> then teachers, then society and all these gets reinforced. But he reminds us who we really are. And that's the first stage of any yoga. Initiation means dvij, to be born in the spirit. The first birth is born in the uh, body. So he, we, when we see through his writings, he was constantly reminding the Indian people who you are. If you don't know who you are... Uh, if you are constantly told you are a fallen race, you are uneducated, you are illiterate, you are no good. And this was uh, reinforced by the kind of education that the British had brought to India. That he says very clearly it was meant to create nothing but um, a mechanical reproduction of the worst that you can find in the uh, you know, British education system. It was a policy. Just like the East India Company was a policy that, you know, go in the garb of business and then eventually capture uh, a whole nation. So, Shirobindo, in this particular essay, uh, he speaks about two countries, um, Japan and India. And he says, Japan is so small and see how it suddenly rose. And India, though much larger and with a much vaster and profound culture, if you really look at Indian history, it's uh, unimaginable, the kind of things. And yet why it, it, didn't, uh, it couldn't rise the way it should have risen. So there he says it's because of two different ideals. In Japan, the cult, people often said, no, no, it's because they adopted the Western education. No, it's not that. In Japan, by nature, and uh, it's good we are talking of Japan with the Olympics going around there. So in Japan, the uh, aspect of the samurai has been reinforced. Whereas in India, over a period of time, partly because of or largely because of the British education, we developed the bourgeois ideal. Now the word comes from a French word. And uh, what it means is uh, a kind of uh, what we would call today is a upscale middle class. <laughs> Upward moving middle class. So uh, these are, what are these people? They form the majority of a, any nation. And uh, they are the people who are looking to reach there where the, you know, uh, those who control the businesses and those who are the capitalists, they want to move there. They are between the capitalist who is uh, wealth producing and the person who is a worker. So they are pro proletariat. So they are caught between them. And, but their eyes is to reach that point where the, you know, there is wealth, there is outer security, there is... Um, you know, some kind of name, fame, and there is a profession of some kind of idealism. A capitalist doesn't do that, <laughs> but the bourgeois must do that because he's, he's a typical middle class gentleman. <laughs> and his role is, he's like the great preserver of the society. 
his aims and ideals are ultimately small but uh, which is about himself and little bit about his family and for the nation he can have spared some nice thoughts okay yes uh, you know a typical bourgeois is you will see in a, a socialite meeting where people will suddenly discuss um, in today's context modi ji and you know they will pass all the opinions but their eyes are on acha when is the next drink to be served or when is the <laughs> when is the dinner to be served that's what their eyes are about or how the property prices are rising up how they are falling but in between you will see these sparkles where uh, even an animated discussion but they walk out the same person they are not ready for any kind of sacrifice self effacement that okay what are you going to do for the country for the world for mankind no no why should i do everything government should do <laughs> and i'll only enjoy it i am a taxpayer so they they are honest taxpayers that's to the credit <laughs> after that the responsibility finishes i have paid my taxes now it's somebody else's job to do what they have to do as far as i am done i am i am looking after my life my family paying money and the rest is their business so this is the bourgeois ideal and very evidently if we just uh, mull over a little we understand that this is not an ideal which is even worthy of uh, being human in in india the ideal was now many many time people uh, consider the bourgeois and the um, uh, and the samurai as the vaishya and the kshatriya uh, it is uh, to an extent true but it's not really so uh, bourgeois is somebody who wants his comfort zone he could be a kshatriya he could be a brahmin for that matter whereas samurai is somebody who is willing to sacrifice himself he could be a shudra who says that okay i am going to make the uh, give me the metal and i am going to make the steel for the use of my countrymen in a war so such a shudra is a samurai he is doing things but doing things which are of a maybe even a menial kind similarly there is the story of bhama shadi vaishya who brings all his wealth when maharana pratap has um, he never lost a battle well to his credit but well um, he neither won it that famous battle of chitorgarh first battle where he had to flee the haldighati uh, then everybody has because of defections usual problem so he needed money to organize an army so as the story goes bhama shah is a shah he is a rich wealthy merchant he comes and leaves all his wealth he says that you use this money and raise an army now he is a vaishya but he is a samurai so samurai is not just a kshatriya kshatriya but anybody who is ready to sacrifice himself for the sake of the greater good now if we see even during uh, the time of king chandragupt now mudra rakshas and um, chanakya both are brahmins but mudra rakshas is a typical <laughs> bourgeois uh, he knows that you know my king is not a nice king dhananand but he must um, uh, strategize only for him and uh, whereas uh, chanakya he knows that this empire must be thrown for whatever reasons and he uses all his strategies for that it's typically summarized in one small story after which we'll read this that as the story goes uh, sheik sadi he is a court uh, philosopher of a famous sheik so as he is going along with the king uh, in the desert they see that near an uh, in the desert there are little patches of oasis there is a man sitting below a palm tree so he says who is this kind of a person in this summer he is sitting there and he is eating something is a crazy fellow so sheik sadi tells him don't bother why are you bothered about all these people no no i am what kind of a crazy man is he so they go together 
so uh, court philosopher tells the king sir actually i'll tell you he is a man of no consequence and this man is smiling who is sitting below the palm tree and eating something so the king asks him what are you eating so he says nothing gruel gruel i am eating dalia so the court philosopher says if only you knew how to please the king you don't have you won't have to eat gruel for the rest of your life and the man sitting in below the palm tree says i think you are a greater fool if you only knew how to eat dalia gruel you won't have to please the king for the rest of your life <laughs> so <laughs> so this is the bourgeois and the samurai in you know a small little story so bourgeois is the court philosopher and the samurai is the man sitting below so it is nothing to do with outward vocation though we can say in a certain sense that the bourgeois is multiplied by the vaishya type of person and samurai is uh, multiplied you will find more commonly among the kshatriya now we don't have any of these pure types they are all gone but in ancient times the corresponding ideal we didn't use the word samurai but the corresponding ideal was not just kshatriya it was arya and arya was not a physical type of humanity though it was preserved largely in the indian con- continent but shurabindu at one place he says he is aristos the shrestha the man who is willing to you know he is always aspiring for the highest he is not happy with the lowly and just because you know it provides him a comfort zone that was the great aryan race which was built upon these stories and one of the story he recounts is shivi's story now shivi is a person who when you know a dove comes and he says i want shelter there is a eagle behind me he says okay fine i give you shelter and then the eagle comes and says that but it's my dharma to eat eat a dove so what what do i do you can't just give a blind uh, <laughs> sharanagati he says okay i understand get your point but at the same time i have given him sharanagati so give me some meat so he is such a king that he can't kill another dove to just you know he says i am the one who has given sharanagati so i'll give my meat he says to the uh, eagle take take my meat and as he starts so they this is that much meat i need as the weight of the dove is one side there is dove on the other uh, he keeps little of his meat but uh, still the dove is heavier it it's a plan of indra and his company so ultimately king shivi puts himself on on the other side and then the balance tilts in favor so he tells you eat me but somebody whom i have said that he is under my protection i will not release him because this is a word of honor you see that was the ideal on which uh, you see the indian uh, society was built at one point of time the ancient aryan society so you have uh, men like dadichi you have men like uh, you know raghukulareet sadachali ai pran jay par vachan na jai because of which uh, to what extent the entire rama ramayana if you look at it is an unfolding of this dharma that if i have given my word to people i stand with my word and i think today it was very beautifully it came in one of shirbindo's uh, writings it is also that uh, nobilarian type which um, tv kapali shastri once remarked when he went and met shirbindo apart from his inner experience he said it looked like the ancient aryan type has suddenly appeared before me because of his uh, both gentlemanliness and strength 
both aspects he saw in Shurabindu and every gesture and every posture was of a like as if somebody from the ancient Aryan type has come and manifest himself. So we see this uh, great ideals and Shurabindu's that writing which I was quoting for, he says that where I have loved once, I cease not from loving. Now who can say like that? <laughs> and we see that in Savitri also. These are not um, like in original Savitri, it is not brought out so powerfully as Shurabindu brings it out. That Savitri says, well, I have loved him. It doesn't matter now. Let fate come and do what it will. But I stand by my choice. So this was the kind of stories through which Indian thought and soul was nourished. And it was amazing to read, read them. I, I mean, in my own family, there used to be Raja Harishchandra ka play. Um, I don't recollect, but once a year it used to be there. Uh, maybe because my dad's name was Harishchandra. But in that play, every time I would say, I would say, what extreme the man can go to sacrifice. <laughs> in dream, he has given um, the kingdom to a rishi. And it's a dream. <laughs> Today we live in an age where even if you have done it legally, transferred, you will say, uh, well, you know, <laughs> I am possessing the holding. But that is an age of India when in dream they gave something and he lived by that promise. He is also Lord Rama's one such and in the end it goes to a point where his wife has only half a piece of cloth over her body and son has died and yet he doesn't flinch a little from honesty and truthfulness. And we have countless stories. I mean, I could just go endlessly into it. Bhagirath story. For whose sake he is doing the tapasya? Not for himself. He is grandfather and those children. And what kind of tapasya that is? Dadichi, he gives his whole lifetimes, um, whatever he has earned inner merit by tapasya, he gives it to destroy the vritrasur, you know, because his bones are the ones which can use it. And that noble, highest Aryan type, we see ultimately manifest in Shurabindo. I mean, before I read this, <laughs> what did Mother say about 5th December? That he gave his body, he was not, not obliged to leave the body. He gave up his body in an act of supreme sacrifice. Sacrificing his own, renouncing his own individual realization to hasten the realization for earth. I think apart from Dadichi, though Dadichi is a limited story for between gods and demons, there is not one single um, story which equals anywhere this kind of sacrifice where he was well on the way to realization. This is not, I mean, people know about it. And yet he sacrifices it, plunges into the night and the inconscient, gives up his body to hasten the collective realization. So this is the ideal of the samurai which Shurabindu wants us to have. But look at the way he presents it in this writing. What is the bourgeois? <laughs> this is full of uh, subtle wit. It sparkles with a kind of humor. The bourgeois is the average contented middle class citizen who is in all countries much the same in the fundamental character and habits of thought. In spite of pronounced racial differences in temperament and self-expression, he is a man of facile sentiments. You know, what is a facile sentiment? <laughs> It's not good that this happened, you know. After some time, he searches for his wallet and says, 
reads the mobile and reads a very nice WhatsApp message and says, you look at this message. That's it. Facile sentiments. He will express his opinion. Facile is very superficial. And skin deep personality. Now Shobhinda uses the word skin deep in a very unique sense. Skin deep personality. Generally, now mark this, this half a sentence. Generally enlightened is under inverted commas, but not inconveniently illuminated. I mean, this is humorous. <laughs> enlightened is in, you know, the age of enlightenment in Europe. It's like that. Generally enlightened. Whom do we call enlightened? Somebody who can discuss various topics because he has read on the newspaper. <laughs> It's like, you know, people read something about Sherbindo in the newspaper column, speaking tree. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he is that speaking tree man. He has read something of Sherbindo from speaking tree, something about Swami Vivekananda from that. And if he has to give a talk on, you know, Sherbindo, Swami Vivekananda, Gandhiji, or for all that matter, they don't understand even Hitler and Mussolini, he'll write, read the same thing with literature. Bahut bade Sant Mahatma the. He doesn't understand. He is enlightened. People say, oh my God, you know. Yes. Because he is speaking of things which they also don't know. I have gone to an extent, I have seen this, one of the ministers. So I have a natural revulsion and I must say, uh, in any meeting where ministers are called, I just, you know, find that entire thing obnoxious. But I have seen ministers stand on the dais on Shurbindo's um, 5th December occasion or was it 15th August, I have forgotten. But I was present and the person says, he was such a great person. Like Buddha, he was born and he died on the same date. So, Sharbindo. And then he remembered the day. And the day he remembered was not 15th August, 5th December. At least he said that he was born on 15th August and departed on 15th August. <laughs> there could have been some kind of compensation for the ignorance. So here is the, here is the person is enlightened. But not inconveniently illuminated. Because if you are inconveniently illuminated, then you are called upon to make that sacrifice. You can't uh, say that, okay. Uh, so he is very happy with philosophy. You know, Sherbindo has said this and you know, so and so has said this. But after that, that's the end of the story. He is eyeing on the plum post that he will get because he is pleasing the government. He is the quote philosopher. <laughs> no. In love with his life. He loves, he's a man of love. In love with his life, his ease and above all things, his comforts. He prescribes the secure maintenance of these precious possessions as the first indispensable condition of all action in politics and society. So if you discuss with a group of bourgeois, we want to start an institution in the name of Shurbindo. So he'll give nice ideas. And then he say, Acha, who will become the uh, chief person? <laughs> I don't want to say. Secretary, who will become the chairman? Because he's ultimately, the whole thing boils down to that. <laughs> so who will get, you know, the next award? So this is his ideal. Whatever tends to disturb or destroy them, destroy what? His own personal comfort zone. He condemns as foolish. Hair-brained, dangerous or fanatical, according to the degree of its intensity and is ready to repress by any means in his power. And you see this is what Sri Aurobindo experienced when he came. His first writings are in Hindu Prakash. 
and who had asked him to write all these Gokhale and Ranadi, you know, to, and when he started writing, they were fire. I mean, fire will bring fire. And then, uh, can you please uh, tone down your writings because uh, we may be charged? And Shurbindo did. But when you have the uh, you know Prachand Mahakund of uh, original son, how much will you tone down the son? So ultimately, after a few months, he stopped writing because he realized that. Uh, it's meaningless, pointless. New lamps for the old, you know, that's the series of writings. The bourgeois and the samurai movements. Achha. So, what does he um, exaggerate? External order. Don't disturb the external order of things. He's not the rebel, he's not the adventurous. Moderation and decorum. Moderation means, yeah, it's okay in social drinking is fine. <laughs> but you must not lose control. <laughs> decorum. <laughs> Moderation and decorum. And hates over earnestness and over strenuousness. <laughs> he says, no, no, no. <laughs> That's you're going crazy. Over earnestness. <laughs> so... Not that he objects, no, look at the humor. Not that he objects to plenty of mild and innocuous excitement. Excitement has its place too. Let's have fun, go together. But it should be, it can be plenty, mild and innocuous. But it must be innocuous and calculated not to have a disturbing effect on the things he most cherishes. So this is okay. A little bit of, you know, you're watching cricket match and you are enjoying it. But don't let it take over yourself so much that tomorrow if there is a, uh, you know, <laughs> Hindu-Muslim riot there, you say, no, no, I came for my cricket match. I have had my fun. <laughs> I'm going to go away. <laughs> because that's his, his limits are there. So his excitement is to that extent. He has ideals and likes to talk of justice. Liberty, he'll tell you that, you know, French Revolution, when it took place, some of the characters he'll quote, most people don't know. So, they are also very happy about a knowledgeable person. But <laughs> don't be fooled. Just do a little bit of Google check and you'll realize that many of the things may not really be even factually correct. Not that he objects. Uh, he has ideals and likes to talk of justice, liberty, reform, enlightenment. And all similar abstractions. They are to him abstractions. You will see these people over at Dosa Party, they will talk about self-enlightenment. <laughs> and everybody, once I had this literally uh, Hong Kong lunch, I remember sitting with, but you know, self-realization. So after some time, there was so much of self-realization. <laughs> <laughs> that I couldn't have the dosa in peace. So <laughs> I had to ask, what are you speaking of, sir, when you say self-realization? It's a term which you'll see. And people use it and they apply everywhere. From X, Y, Z, he had self-realization. But you see, in, in a typical this thing, when people speak about self-realization, oh, he's a person, he's an enlightened person. He knows about self-realization. <laughs> so he's, he's like that. He likes too to see them reigning and progressing around him decorously and with their proper limitations. Look at these last two words. Yes, I want people to be enlightened. 
So Shubindu once points out in one of his letters about this hypocrisy even in Indian thought. He says everybody appreciates the uh, sannyasi. But he will never want his own son to become a sannyasi. And we have that famous story of uh, one young boy, rather a retired judge and his uh, elderly businessman who were friends used to come to Delhi Ashram regularly for the Sunday talks. And one day, the judge came to pick up and uh, the businessman was ill-disposed. Ill so he said, I can't go. So you go by yourself. And the 17-year-old son says, Okay, uncle, I'll come along. And the businessman gave him a nice slap. So judge said, why are you slapping him? He said, Dekhye, we are mature people. We listen, but we don't start following everything. <laughs> He's a young boy. He may get misguided. He may suddenly say, Dad, I want to take a ticket to Pondicherry. And you see how the mother, sometimes you just wonder. There is the story of a five-year-old who came to Pondicherry running away from home. And when he is going, he is still alive. When he is going back, I forget the age. So he says, I want to come back. Mother quietly slips some money in his hand so that he can come back. The story of our another uh, person, uh, our of course Parikshidda, who came at 17, ran away from home all the way. And he is sitting outside in all that dirty clothes. Because train, somehow he has managed, father was a doctor. And then he says, I want to join the ashram outside, same, get people. So, no, young people, are, you're not accepted, admitted, no, no, go back, ask, all these things. So he's sitting outside, he said, at least once, tell the mother. He told the story himself. So then, when mother is told about it, mother says, okay. She gave him work in the garden. And he continued there. So, you see, she saw something else. If you normally see, outwardly, it is uh, the bourgeois will admit that, yes, he is great, yogi, Shurabindo. But the moment you say, so, dad, he is so great, can I join the ashram, go and... No, no, see, joining ashram is a different thing altogether. Uh, they are not nice people. Uh, Shurabindo's ideal is great because... Whether nice people or not is not the issue. The issue is that somehow to thought, within limitations, the ideal is accepted. Shabindra is a great yogi, but you want to follow the path, do it after you are 60, when you have retired. And people use all kinds of, you know, you get married, have children, then one plus time you can go to the ashram. Everybody knows by then you are so badly hooked. <laughs> <laughs> Who comes? <laughs> you can only go nowadays to one press. There is a new method nature has created. Because people have got so attached, they can't go to one press. So children ultimately make their life so inconvenient that parents decide maybe post-retirement plan to Pondicherry or any such ashram. And when somebody wrote to Shirobindo that, you know, I am 61 and I have uh, done all my duties... Uh, worldly duties, my children are married or whatever it was. So now I want to come and uh, uh, apply to the ashram. And Shurabindo humorously remarked this time to apply to the graveyard. <laughs> but typical ideal of a bourgeois is pension, a fat pension. He wants to secure his old age through money. That's the only thing he knows. Even children are brought up under the bourgeois ideal. Why you want children? 
बुढ़ापे की लाठी या सहारा यू नो वेन ग्रो वेन आई ग्रो ओल्ड ही विल बी माई स्टिक ही विल बी योर स्टिक बट ही विल यूज द स्टिक इन ए डिफरेंट वे सो दैट्स द वे नेचर एज यू नो वट वट टू डो नेचर इज यूजिंग नाउ हार्ड मीन्स नॉट दैट इट इज अ गुड वे बट बिकॉज पीपल हैव गॉट टू मच इंटरेस्ट इन टू दिस आइडियल देर फॉर नेचर इज यूजिंग दीज मीन्स ऑल द यंगस्टर्स रिवोल्ट he wishes to have them maintained if they already exist but in moderation and with moderation if they do not exist the craving for them should be in his opinion a lively but still well regulated fire not permitted to interfere with the safety comfort and decorum of life so aspiration nice 10 minutes give to god meditate pray after that shut the god in your cupboard <laughs> or puja room better not keep a puja room temples are there for that but your home and office is you know sat and this is asat so this is how this is your place so that's what he prefers an occasional sacrifice of money he must you know also that he sacrifices so there are some people you will see i have seen some place in bench uh, some devi Ab now you know it is so inconvenient to sit on a devi because it is written on the slab. So and so devi, are <laughs> at least write it behind so you don't feel comfort uncomfortable. But this is how in a temple they will put the thing when people wanted to offer money to Golkund and the famous person in whose name there are you know temples all over India where you don't have Rama temple and this temple you have the name of the person. Birla temple and uh, types. So uh, when Golkund, uh, the person said that, well, uh, we'll give money if you are willing to put a plaque. So they asked the mother. Mother laughed and said, well, on the floor if one doesn't mind it. <laughs> so it was her. <laughs> she is a samurai, samurai of samurais. <laughs> At one place, Shivendra says in one of his letters, do you think that we were busy searching for flesh pots in Egypt? or myself to become a member of the parliament do you think we were busy in these things we could have become he could have become a member of parliament and mother that do you think in egypt she was busy searching for flesh pots this is called the this is the spirit of the yogin so yoga is not about you know giving some money dollar and learning a 10 day course you will find nothing except a little bit of so called peace but a peace will last only till the time the course is there because mobiles are kept away and all this so it's a very temporary peace so this is what he is uh, reminding us an occasional sacrifice of money leisure and other precious things for their sake he is always ready to meet for the high ideal of justice liberty etc he has a keen zest for the reputation such sacrifices bring him so when he sacrifices he wants his name so and so gave so much money it is so ostentatious even after death people speak about it you know this much money he donated are who were you you got everything from the divine if you gave a little fraction and look at the original aryan type when shurbindo writes to his wife he says that i believe that all that i have belongs to god and must be given to him but up till now i am giving 
only two annas to God and 14 annas is with me. 16 anna a rupee. And then, then he says, I feel like a thief. Two annas. So make it, convert it into, if you have a salary of 10,000 rupees, what was he giving? And yet he feels, I am like a thief. I must give the entire 16 annas to God. This is the original Aryan type. Where he sacrifices everything in his life, his family life. And he does it with a smile. That is the beauty of Shirobindo. Nowhere you find in letter saying that, you know how I walked over, walked away without a moment, sacrificing my family life. It doesn't even mention that. And this sacrifice in an inner and done with full compassion. When his wife leaves the physical body, what does he say? There is a teardrop in his eyes. It's not a sacrifice done like the rigid, stoic, ascetic who is unfeeling, who is after his own salvation. No. He understands what it means for somebody whom you love and who loves you. So in this sacrifice, there is total compassion, total love. Even of his inner life, you know, we have heard about Brahmacharya and all that. When once somebody asks Shurabindu, is it possible for a grihastha married man to practice Brahmacharya? Shurabindu laughs and says, why not? Is there a single example? He says, why I am married? I have practiced Brahmacharya. Or this is the kind of when he goes to Barodra and he does it all naturally. It's Dinendra Kumar Roy who brings out that, you know, when he saw him, he couldn't imagine. He imagined a suited, booted gentleman. But the bourgeois, no. So occasional sacrifice, yes, he's always ready to meet. He has a keen zest for the reputation such sacrifices bring him. And still more for the comfortable sense of personal righteousness which they foster. You know, I have, all my life has been a sacrifice. You ask the bourgeois grand old man. So ask him, sir, what to sacrifice? All my life, you see, my children, I am the one who has sacrificed my life for wife and children. Everybody does it, sir. Ant also does it. <laughs> the donkey. Donkey also does it. What's so special about you doing it? But look, this is our idea of sacrifice. And little bit money for the bourgeois is the man of good sense and enlightenment, the man of moderation, the man of peace and orderliness. What is that orderliness? Don't disturb the fixed order. The man in every way respectable, who is the mainstay of all well-ordered societies, as a private man, he now you look at his scathing humor. As a private man, he is respectable. That is to say, his character is generally good. <laughs> I am putting in my tone. His character is generally good. And when his character is not, his reputation is. <laughs> Even if his character is not good, reputation is good. He makes sure that the reputation is maintained very well. So in all social circles, he behaves like a really good human being. <laughs> so he maintains his reputation, whatever his character be. I mean, only Shurabindu can ride with such a deep, penetrating insight into human nature. So this writing is amazing. I'll read this again. His character is generally good and when his character is not, his reputation is. He's all decorous in his virtues. Decent. In the indulgence of his vices. <laughs> he only smokes cigars. <laughs> he only dances in a party. 
What he does after the party is a different matter. <laughs> but it's in a party. In a nice way, he goes and offers his hand to the lady, and then they have a nice dance. After that, he's a nice, decent human being. This is the bourgeois. <laughs> Show and sham and pretense are his way of life. Shubhendra is uh, showing us what pretense is. At least in their concealment, <laughs> decent in the indulgence of his vices, or at least in their concealment. <laughs> Often absolutely honest. Almost always as honest as an enlightened self-interest will permit. She is very honest. She says, you know what? I pay all my taxes. But what he does to make sure that the taxes are minimized by all kinds of hooks and crooks that he doesn't say. So he says, I, am, I lead a very nice life. But what goes on inside or behind? His purse is well filled or at any rate... Not indecently empty. <laughs> Not like many of us who, are, who don't carry a purse and it's so embarrassing sometimes when you have to pick up something. <laughs> I remember my first story when I took one of my classmates on an auto rickshaw. Okay, we'll go out and we'll have some coffee. I'm not going to fill in the blank what was that meant for. And when I go, I realize that I don't have money. So I had asked her, what do you like? She said, I like arm papad. So we walked into a store. I have not told her anything. So she picks up the arm papad. And then I say, by the way, I have forgotten my purse. Can you? <laughs> so she takes out the money, pays it. Nice girl. Decently brought me back in the auto rickshaw. That was the end of the story. <laughs> You know, it reminds me of not indecently empty. A bourgeois, this will never happen. He will not only have the purse, he will take out, there will be two, three credit cards out of which only one will be working. <laughs> and he'll say, should I use this one or that one? Okay, use this one. And sometimes it won't work because he'll say, oh, it's an international card. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> this is a bourgeois. Shubhendra <laughs> describes with such wit. He is a good honor, a conscientious worker, a thoroughly safe and reliable citizen. But this admirable creature has his defects and limitations. For great adventures, tremendous enterprises, lofty achievement, the storm and stress of mighty and eventful periods in national activities, he is unfit. He is not the one who will ever sacrifice. He will sacrifice within limits for a name. But he is not the one who will abandon everything like Buddha. Buddha is the Aryan who walks away, leaving behind family, children, wealth, everything for the sake of a great ideal. And when Buddha walks, it's different from you know somebody who cannot earn money and walks away. Buddha is a crown king, I mean crown prince, he would be king when he walks away, when Shurvinda walks away, leaving the national scene where he is the hero, undisputed hero. And the most dangerous man in India who could change the entire, I mean, in fact, the British Empire went away because of his, his awakening of the Indian soul. It's a very different thing. So he is that kind of ascetic, not like, you know, I'll take away all my dresses and do a fashion parade, all nude, making an advertisement of my sacrifice. See, I have sacrificed even my dress. 
sir, please think about others who are watching you. <laughs> Apart from the fact, <laughs> it's indecent, public exposure. It may earn you salvation. <laughs> but have you ever thought what feelings this is going to create in others? But no. Look at me. And there is a man holding an umbrella behind him. <laughs> I am telling you a real scene. There is a man holding an umbrella behind him. And I that time wrote a little piece, you know, in my diary. That what a sacrifice and renunciation I have seen. Here is a man who sacrificed all his clothes. But he couldn't sacrifice an umbrella. The heat was too intense. All that. So this is how he is. This admirable creature. So if you ask him, these things are for the heroes, the martyrs, the criminals. Look at how Shabindo. The enthusiasts. You, you, now you understand why Shole had this appeal. They are criminals. But they have the spirit of sacrifice inside them. They can do what the average police person will not do. Though Sanjeev Kumar is shown like that. Why won't they do? They will not sacrifice their life. They will go in chase of the uh, decoit but not beyond a point. Because they have ultimately to get back. And their family and their security. That's important. So those things are, and in military there are so many stories. The enthusiast, the degenerates, geniuses. Here also there is that brilliant humor. Those whom we call as criminals, they are capable of doing something which the bourgeois cannot. That's what Sri Krishna shows him in the jail. He shows him that those whom in our ignorant false pride use the word chuttu lok, the low class people. They are capable of doing things which, and every day you will see it. Go to a, you know, buy vegetables from round the corner. See, there is an old lady sitting with wrinkles, with a little baby also. And tell her, what is the cost of this vegetable? Well, aloo is 40 rupees. I'll give you for 35. Then you haggle. You say 30 rupees, 25. Okay, ultimately 30 rupees she'll give you. Okay, go to a branded showroom. And tell them, you know, 10% discount. Sir, that is only for that stock. And if you ask, this t-shirt is not worth so much. He'll look at you with a sight as if you are the most <laughs> degenerate person. As if some uncouth person has walked into a branded showroom not knowing the worth. So this is the difference between the bourgeois and the samurai. So you can find the samurai among these people who have really... Uh, even by the way, once somebody told me, I am not sure how much it is true, but somebody in a position of authority, that do you know in ashram, most of the way it is run, from small offerings by people who don't give huge amount, small offerings. And that builds up the entire page. Because these are the people who have a heart. Their heart is still generous. And the moment more wealth comes, it starts holding us. So these things are for the degenerates, geniuses, mad people, the men of exaggerated virtue, exaggerated ability, exaggerated ideas. And if I may add from another of Shurabindu's writings in Dharma, where Shurabindu says, India loved these characters who were, had exaggerations in different directions. So he says, look at Shiva, two ideals of you know, divinity. Look at Shiva. He is the king of kings in his own right, but 
abandons everything. Where does he live? Shamshan. And from Shamshan to Kailash. That's his journey. That's his abode. And look at Krishna. Another ideal. Plenty. But yet, his life is lived like a Tyagarajan. So these are the ideals we nurtured and nourished. Which have been lost because uh, we have lost contact with our own roots. That's the unfortunate part. Uh, now we are following a very different kind of alien culture. And the ideal is, uh, okay, you will do medicine. And then how much money you will earn. Most people want to go abroad. That's their dream world. Now because the dream world is collapsing. So they want to come back and have a practice. But this, this is the ideal, isn't it? You can see it everywhere. And you say very proudly, my son is, you know, he's a... Medical postgraduate from Illinois University. And he's got a good job. He is, you know, staying in upstate downtown New York. This is a matter of shame. But the bourgeois feels very happy about it. It's a great pride he takes in recounting all this. And you have to suppress your laughter and simply say, Yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> or just show an indifferent face because you don't want. So this is the Burjua and he values also the things of the mind in a lazily comfortable way as adoring, adorning and setting off his enlightened ease and competence. Things of the mind, let's talk about Shurabindo's philosophy. So he will hold a seminar where people will come from different directions. They are paid for the thing, they are going to speak. And they are busy collecting their rewards at the end. Many of these conferences, not I am not talking of Shurabindo conferences, but medical conferences, all funded by the medical, um, uh, you know, drug pharmas, nice plush bags, all this. What knowledge and truth are you going to discuss there? You are not interested. People are eyeing on that bag that you are going to get. So this is the bourgeois ideal. So lazily he doesn't mind discussing comfortable way. But the hall should be very good air conditioned. If you say, okay, we'll have a knowledge base, we will have a discussion on Shurabindo's yoga in a forest. <laughs> we'll live in hut. Few days we'll try to practice that inner renunciation. Outer renunciation, inner is too difficult. And then you see how many people will sign up. But the moment you have it in big hotels with big people coming, lamp lighting, then you you see that this is the bourgeois who is multiplied. The bourgeois is multiplied by nature. A little art. Oh yes, this is a lovely painting like that mother's famous story, you know, Rembrandt. So he used to paint and nobody would appreciate his painting. Poor fellow, he actually ultimately died a poor man. But what he used to do is palette scrapings he would put in, on an easel board. So one day somebody came to buy his painting. They said, what is that? That was his, all these scripts. Oh, that's marvelous. Modern painting, modern art. That's how probably modern art was born. Million dollars, can I buy this? Sir, <laughs> these are palette scrapings. But you will see them. When they go, you, you draw a horse eye somewhere and a cat's paw somewhere. <laughs> And a one-eyed human. This is very symbolic. Horrific. This very symbolic modern art. <laughs> He'll appreciate because he knows this is trending. If it doesn't go with the trend, then he's uh, left behind. So he, he discusses in that sense. A little art, a little poetry. 
So he knows that there is a guy called Milton. <laughs> but he doesn't know that who wrote the Mahabharata. Because when you say Milton, and he will say Divine Comedy after that. <laughs> Sir, Mahabharata, huh, was it Valmiki? Because his interest is that much of poetry which brings him. Sir, Gita is also poetry. No, no. It's a scripture. He doesn't understand poetry. A little poetry, a little religion. That also he knows a little bit. What is that little religion? Ishwara Allah's Tironam Sabko Samadhi Deva. Somebody, Ishwara and Allah are in the same category. I said, even the word doesn't mean the same. I said, please don't bracket peaches and oranges together. It's okay. I mean, we respect God and all ultimately is one. But if you go by that logic, then you and me are all same. You don't have to only confine yourself to Ishwara Allah. But if you use the word Ishwara means the Lord of all creation. He's not, uh, he's Ashwarya, from there it comes. Even just the semantics of it. Leave aside the religion part which uh, is best not discussed. If at all there is a religion left. <laughs> and give an air of decorum to all these are a little philosophy, a little scholarship, a little philosophy. All these are excellent ingredients in life and give an air of decorous refinement to his surroundings. So you'll see often if you go to the library of a bourgeois when he has a little more money, there'll be some books there. Don't ask which ones you have read. Nice collection sometimes. Very good collection. You will wonder, <laughs> But he is hardly read. He loves to collect and it's a kind of you know sign that there are so many books. Often you will see these. Even these politicians, when they speak in the front, you will see so many books. People are very impressed. Oh my God, so many books. He doesn't even know the title. Forget about reading them. So this is the bourgeois. They must not be carried too far or interfere with the great object of life. What is the great object of life? Which is to earn money, clothe and feed one's family. So you see, Shurabindu is at once saying it is not bourgeois versus proletariat. This is what Karl Marx does. Degrade the bourgeois into the proletariat. He says bourgeois versus the samurais. Upgrade him to the samurai. So what is the ideal? Earn money, clothe and feed one's family, educate one's son to the high pitch of the BA degree or the respectable eminence of the MA, marry one's daughters decently, rank high in service or the profession, stand well in the eye of general opinion, he is a man of opinions, and live and die decorously, creditably and respectably. Anything disturbing to these high duties, anything exaggerated, intense, unusual, is not palatable to the bourgeois. He shrugs his shoulders over it and brushes it aside with the one word, mad or eccentric. So what is that other ideal? In fact, this is largely about the bourgeois. In the end, he speaks of a passage about the samurai. And he says that, Okay, last part where he speaks about the samurai. Our only hope of resurgence was in some such great unsealing of the eyes to the maya in which we existed and the discovery of some effective mantra, some strong spiritual impulse which should have the power to renovate us from within. For good or 
for evil the middle class now leads in india that's the unfortunate ideal whatever upward movement begins it must initiate and lead but for that to happen the middle class must by a miracle shurbindu is using this word must by miracle be transfigured and lifted above itself the natural breeding ground of the bourgeois it must become the breeding ground of the samurai it must seize in fact to be a middle class and turn itself into an aristocracy aristos shrestha arya the word have similar roots aristos the highest the noblest the best so instead of the bourgeois the aristocracy but true aristocracy nobility of the soul an aristocracy not of birth or landed positions not of intellect not of wealth and commercial enterprise but of character and action india must recover her faculty for self sacrifice courage and high aspiration this is what is required courage and love the two virtues which can save the soul alive faith such a transformation is the work which has been set before itself by the new nationalism this is at the back of all its enthusiasms audacity and turbulence and provides the explanation of all that has shocked and alarmed the wise men and the elders in the movement in bengal people were shocked when somebody like shrivindu spoke pune swaraj sir let's go step by step what's wrong with british education they have brought railways they have done good things but self sacrifices hast but see the greatest sacrifices were made from bengal at that point of time this was the fire because sri ramakrishna paramahansa swami vivekananda then shirbindo many of the leaders they brought in that fire the new nationalism is a creed but it is more than a creed it is a method but more than a method the new nationalism here it defines nationalism so beautifully rashtravad the new nationalism is an attempt at a spiritual transformation of the 19th century indian it is a notice of dismissal or at least of suspension to the bourgeois and all his ideas and ways and works a call for men who will dare and do impossibilities the men of extremes the men of faith the prophets the martyrs the crusaders the rebels the desperate venturers and reckless doers see this reminds us of that line in savitri i heed not of virtue and of sin but i care not for the angry frown of gods or the fires of hell who is saying this durga but do the deed that god has put into my heart what history will judge you is history's problems but i do the deed that he has put into my heart so these are required a call for men who will dare and do impossibilities the men of extremes the men of faith the prophets the martyrs the crusaders the rebels the desperate venturers and reckless doers the initiators of revolutions it is the rebirth in india of the kshatriya the samurai may this breed multiply in india thank you namaste